We're back. Episode 15, Uticast. I can't believe there have been 15 episodes thus far. There's actually been 16. This is the 16th episode because there was... We had like episode double zero, the test pilot. Double zero, yeah. Well, uh, Thomas Dilworth, Thomas D. Our boy, DJ Thomas D. Techno bad guy. He's been making the both of us dance for at least seven years. Probably eight years now. He's the guest this week. I'm excited. Um, I'm, I'm excited because I think we got to the core of Thomas D. He's an interesting guy. So, scale of 1 to 10, how curmudgeonly? Not as bad as you would think. Spoiler I know alert. better, but not as bad Spoiler as the people alert. would think. Uh, you the cast, folks. We're glad you're here. Uh, let's do it. Strap in. You know, we're friends, man. Sure. I'm having lots of issues this week, buddy. You seem very stressed. It's only, it's only, we, we take the show on Mondays. You are thoroughly torqued for a Monday right now. Uh, you know, it's just a lot, a lot. You know, it's last Monday when I was here, when I was doing the interview last Monday with Jordan Karp for last week's episode. Right. And I was talking to him and he's like, you're so stressed out, man. He's like, it's the first day of the week. And I was like, yeah, but you got to realize that this is sort of not, this is like the most stressful day of the week. Yeah, me. once Tuesday comes, the episode hits, and then it's easier. Yeah. But you, you do a lot of work. I mean, you do the you know primary uh-huh. writing, giving us a rubric and everything. <laughs> Mondays are tough. Monday's tough. Uh, and you know what, too? I, I felt like I got let down at a lot of corners today. A lot of, like, cutting my legs out from under me by a lot of outside sources today. Fair enough. I was not involved in that, but I wish I could. You were not. You cut were your not. legs out at any turn. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's, try and, let's try and work through this here. Uh, we went to go see a movie on Friday. We sure did. Yeah, we went to go see The Martian with yeah. our good friend Cliff from Utica Bread. Um, now, we are both big marks for this book, which people may have picked up on. Yeah, and so was Cliff. Uh, that was actually huge. when you guys both moved back to town. That was you guys bonded. The three mm-hmm. of us were talking about that book. Uh, we talk a lot about movie and book transitions in, yeah. in our private time. For I sure. thought this was actually about as well as you could have done it. I I, I I fully agree. I don't know how you could have done a better job with the source material. It wasn't 100% faithful, but like if they had wanted to be 100% faithful with all the science, the movie would have been four hours. Yeah. Um, I got to tell you, we had talked about this movie. coming. Number one, anybody who, if you're thinking about going to see the movie, please, please, please go read the book first. Yes. We've got like three copies of it here at the studio. Get at us on Twitter. You can literally have one. But, um, <laughs> you can. You just have them. You can't have his hardcover copy, but you can have No, that's the show else. copy. The show copy the show is copy. for the house. But I mean, anybody who wants to go see the movie, you should read the book first because I think it was awesome. And we talked a lot about, you know, casting. We're like, oh, who, who should play Mark Watney? Who should play Mark Watney? Mm-hmm. And we heard Damon. We were like, well, that's a pretty good choice, but I don't think it's right. After seeing that movie... He was amazing. I don't know who else he it ever so could have been. Um, I don't know who else it ever could have been to play Mark Watney. I thought the cast itself was really good. The only person I said, I felt I felt like Daniels wasn't really... Jeff Daniels was not really uh, pushing the limits of his character. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Daniels was falling in a little bit, but by that same token, you know, only because of... Because his character was so similar to what he does on the newsroom... It felt a yeah. little bit like a retread, but like as the director of NASA in that movie, he did a very good job. I bought him as the director of NASA. Can I tell you a hot take? I hated the newsroom. I hated every second of it. It made me angry to watch it. I've never seen it, was, it because it like I read articles about yeah. it before and it sounded dumb and annoying enough to the point where again, I'm not gonna bother. I know a lot of people who liked it. I'm I'm not gonna go too hard on it, but yeah. it I disliked the show so much that mm-hmm. I dislike Jeff Daniels a little bit more now because of it. Fair right? enough. Exactly. Like, so as somebody who has read the book and then went to see the movie, what was your favorite part of the movie? Ooh, that's a good that's a good question. I actually thought um, it's hard because I kept watching the, I kept watching the movie thinking about the book. Right, I, I probably would have yeah. liked the, I probably would have liked the movie better if I had never read the book. Honestly, do you it, think so? Yeah, because I wouldn't have been thinking about like oh I see what they did here the way they tied this into that's this fair. and cut this out. Um, so for me, I thought that uh, I thought Damon was actually a revelation because he was way better than I expected. I, uh, it seems that, pretty easy. That, that's probably really one good. of the best movies I've yeah. ever seen him in. Be fair. Yeah, he was very good. Um, I thought the I thought the casting was excellent. 
I yeah. thought the entire cast outside of Damon as well, I and outside of Daniels, and, you know, he was pretty good, but everyone else was great. Yeah, he, I mean, to say that Daniels should be replaced, really, and we talked about this when we left the movie, yeah. you, me, and Cliff, like, at best to say he was replaced, that's nitpicking because you're looking for a flaw. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I would say, I think my favorite part about the movie, I, it was awesome to see the representation of Mars. Yes. And it was really cool to see it done in a way that makes you identify with the fact that, you know... Mars, although it's, you know, it doesn't look cold because it looks like a desert Mm -hmm. here on Earth, but with the way temperatures are and no water, it was actually freezing cold there. But it was crazy to see Mars in a way that you could kind of identify with and you could imagine yourself being there. Do you think they planned to have this uh, liquid water on Mars uh, news drop the same week that this movie was out? Was that, like, timely or was that... I don't think it hurts their case. Government conspiracy. I mean, listen, I'm I'm a huge huge space program and NASA mark, like... If they if this comes out at the perfect, do I think maybe they knew about it a month and a half ago? And were like, yeah, we're gonna wait until this huge high budget Hollywood movie with Matt Damon comes out to release the news in a more timely fashion. Uh, do I believe that? I don't not believe it. But like, do I think they faked the water on Mars? That would have been they faked the moon landing. Why not? Yeah, so they say. Yeah. Coming from the Kubrick guy. Um, so you know, we had a good time with our good man Cliff. Uh, True. Uh, and that ties in a little bit. Cliff was one of our early guests on the show. I were, think he was episode one, wasn't he? He, Yeah, episode one. Episode one. First official episode. Now, I've talked about in the past uh, why the old episodes aren't up, because we don't have the SoundCloud. Oh, yeah, tell everybody. This yeah, is yeah. important. Yeah, so we don't have the SoundCloud that uh, that has all the extra space. So every time we SoundCloud add premium. SoundCloud <laughs> premium, right. <laughs> so every time I would have to add an episode, I would have to delete an episode. Well, I finally caved in because I got paid for the first time. And now we have unlimited space. So we can put up as much as we want. And I don't have to take anything down. So later so this does week, that mean the early episodes are coming yes, back? Yes. Early awesome. episodes are all coming back. Uh, sometime this week, it's just I have to upload them singularly at a time. So it's just right. going to take about a week or so for me to get everything up. I'll have an announcement on Twitter. So if you want to go back and listen to the early episodes, we now have unlimited space. We did it, And it, see, it seems crazy to me to say because, like, in my mind, even though I see... The numbers, and I see five, six hundred people a week listening. I still, in my heart, don't believe that anybody's listening. <laughs> but if oh. you are one of these mythical listeners and you want to go back and hear some of the early episodes, and we were still trying to work out the kinks, we had some great guests in those first couple episodes, yes, the ones we really took off SoundCloud. At the very least, fast forward about half an hour in, find the interview, and listen to those because those people, sure. to be fair, I would say for as much fun as we have and we enjoy doing the podcast. The people who come on to be interviewed are the stars of the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's the whole point, you know. Um, I think, and I say it a lot of times during the interviews of people, I have more fun interviewing people I've never met before than I do interviewing people I already know. Is that your way of saying you had a bad time with DJ Thomas D? I had a wonderful time with DJ I believe Thomas it. D. Um, so he's he's a much sweeter guy than anybody would ever imagine. Sweet. Than anybody he's would very, ever he's imagine. very, very sweet. Um, I do techno want, nice guy. Uh, I do want. <laughs> you should change his Twitter handle. Techno nice guy. Uh, so I want to I want to address something from last week before sure. we go into the next segment. Um, last week we talked a little bit about Erin being on the show, and uh, she's not here again this week because she's very busy. Um, she's you know what I, I I work and I work hard. I go to work. You work hard. The amount of work that Erin yeah. takes on being a teacher and finishing grad school makes me feel like I do yeah. nothing. Yeah. So uh, go ahead. Well, the point is, so a lot of people wonder why she's not on this little opening first segment. And uh, I didn't really talk about this last week, but the reason that I need this first opening segment is because I, much like all the people I know and love and admire, am a damaged, broken individual. And I need space and time to spew my nonsense and get all my stuff worked out right before I can go ahead and do the show. And this is what this forum does for me. I don't refute that for a second. Uh, also, I mean, to for full transparency, the reason that we started doing, I mean, when we were talking about it originally, the reason we did that little bumper segment, we come in before the song that you wrote and play all the track on and all yeah. that, by the way. Yeah. But before we do that and then we come in, it's, it's mostly to break up the monotony. It's to make the right. segments feel different because... Sure. We, although we have a structure and we come up with the notes and, you know, we have plans for each segment and they do have names with us personally, we want to make them feel different enough so it's nice that we can normally pull in Aaron for the second segment and everything like that. And this is, the, so this is, tends to be the more personal segment and because of that, I'm going to throw an, I'm going to throw a point to you and I want to, I want to get your answer. Maybe you know more than I How do. did I ever get so lucky? All right. <laughs> when you ask someone to go to dinner, 
is the implication automatically romantic? What, I mean, okay, so when you say someone, you mean like a girl. A casual friend of mine who's a girl, right? I've had a couple different women this week I've asked to go to dinner with. Okay, sure. And for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out. Okay. Not, not a big deal. People are busy. People have lives. Okay. But I wonder sometimes, is the offer of casual dinner implicitly romantic? Yeah, dude, dinner is heavy. If really? you say, yeah, 100, what do you mean? Do you Dinner's want casual? No, just stop. Out of, lunch is casual. No one Dinner, has... if you, no, stop. If you call somebody and you're like, hey, do you want to go to dinner this week? If you say go to dinner, society has conditioned us to believe that means do you want to audition to have my children? Like, if you I call somebody, hey, well, you're wrong. I have you got a call back on that? That's no, what I thought. Apparently now, exactly. Not. I'm glad oh, that I can be man. here. On See? episode 15, to educate See? you, say grab something uh, to eat. Say get together, geez. and then we're like, what do you have in mind? Be like, ah, oh, maybe dinner? You don't Look, lead man, with dinner. You gotta barely lead. I don't do lunch because I don't have free lunches. Dinner is basically my lunch. It's not about what you have, it's about what you're selling. Uh, God. All right. I, I can't wait until we get uh, off air tonight so I can figure out what quote-unquote platonic friends you've invited. All my platonic time. friends are free. Anyone who wants to come have platonic dinner with Sam... Let's do it. Anywhere you want to go. I'm for it. I like food. Any listener of the show who wants Sam <laughs> to take you out to a quote-unquote non-romantic <laughs> dinner, hit us up on Twitter, at the Uticast. He will take you out to Ocean uh, Blue. He will pay for you. He will buy whoa, your drinks. Whoa. He will drive your home. He will drive you home. He'll go for a strange hug and then pull away early. That is <laughs> that is shockingly accurate. And listen, if you don't if you, you don't sell down, I'm giving out your number. Uh, all right, we're gonna take a break with no Higgins. I need to take out. a break. No Higgins. To quote unquote dinner, I'm shocked and appalled. Go ahead. <laughs> shocked. Segment two. Go ahead. All right, let's move on. Uh, and this segment, uh, let's. Let, I'm going to cut back on the jokes here. This is a little bit of a more of a, uh, a segment about reality and life, I guess. Uh, okay. Uh, so I don't want to get too heavy into the uh, the Oregon Community College shooting. Oh Jesus! Um, yeah. And you know, eight people killed, nine people wounded, and the shooter killed himself. Um, it was. It's really sad. And it's really heavy. Um, and I don't really have a, a take necessarily on people who are depressed or disturbed. You know, the art. The, I read, there was a, this was in, I think, the, the Times. They said he was a frustrated with organized religions and he was an awkward loner. But that kind of sounds like almost everybody I know to a certain that's extent. No, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that's fair. What bothered me, and I read a little bit more into this, was that this guy had access to like 14 guns. Even though he only had four with him during the time of the shooting, he had right. access to 14 guns. And I don't know. I don't want to, you know, I know some people are very sensitive about their it's, Second this Amendment is gun, rights. Like gun control is one of the probably the uh, most hot button issues in yeah. this country right now. I just always, I just feel like it's really, it's so easy to get a gun in this country. It's kind of sad. Here's, here's my thing with it because gun control is a sense, I'm not a gun guy. No. I don't own a gun. I don't think I'll ever own a gun. They don't int- I've fired guns before. Yeah. I've fired guns at target range. You know, I have um, an uncle and cousins who have a whole bunch of land and we've gone up there on holidays and like done some target practice out on their, you know, mm-hmm. you know, tens and tens and tens and tens of acres and like it's, you know, neat to shoot targets or whatever, but like I have a lot of family members, I have a lot of friends, I have a lot of cousins, uncles who own guns and hunt and do all that stuff and they're all super safe for them they're all super responsible yeah. never for one single day would i ever say that any of those guys should have any gun taken away from them they are fully responsible but unfortunately sometimes in this country and in the world we live in you have to legislate to the lowest common denominator right So, like maybe my cousin can have as many machine guns as he wants but the rules have to be put in place for people who are less mature and responsible and I think the here's the, people always like to say when you see on social media people are like oh well you know if guns people why don't we if guns kill people why don't we ban cars they kill more people and I think that's an incredible argument I read a really good article in the Times here's the thing with that and I see you already being like that doesn't make sense here's my thing I'm just yeah my thing with it is that 
if guns were regulated even remotely the same way cars were with cars, you mm-hmm. need a license. Your cars have to pass all right. these safety inspections. You have to go through all these classes. All this stuff has to be checked. There has to be a way to fix the problem because the truth of the matter is, although a whole big part of the issue is the way we treat mental health in this country, the way that people yes. can't get help, that's a huge thing. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, for something like a gun that does have the power to take lives so quickly, I don't think anybody should be against... I mean, there there aren't other countries that have, you know, that have this many mass shootings. I mean, to this point, you're talking about it's so sad. It's almost not sad because it's every so month often. that this happens. And people make the argument, you know, all these shootings happen in gun-free zones. Maybe if more people had guns, they would have stopped them. Maybe they would have. Maybe the crossfire would have killed more people. I don't think that's the issue. Maybe if more people had guns here, they would have stopped them. But we're the only country in the entire world that has this problem. And gun ownership is Mm -hmm. the Second Amendment. And I am not about crossing out anything on the Bill of Rights. But by that same token, we have a unique problem in this country. And there have to be some smarter answers. And the problem is people get so divided with, you know, the way they feel politically. And, you know, politicians and the media drive wedges between us. But there has to be a more mature cohesive way to approach this problem so it stops being a thing that happens so often that i barely notice yeah you know and it and you get so numb to it sadly it's you know it, it's 100%. sort of like i when the I first when the story first broke i remember just thinking like my first thought was like oh my god that's so sad it, it, my, my first thought was like god really like another one like i can't like again? that's again right yeah um, and here's the thing, like, I grew up in a family that hunted, necessarily. My grandfather had a rack of guns in his house that he used sure. for, like, deer hunting. There's a difference between owning a hunting rifle, which you have to have a license for, and you have to have a license to hunt anyway, yeah. um, and owning a handgun, because, let's be real, a handgun has no purpose other than to kill human beings. Well, I mean, right, like, there's... I hear, but I hear a lot of people make the argument, like, you know, handguns for personal protection, and... If you not, I, a lot of people say that to me, like, oh, I want a handgun for personal protection. My argument is, I've never once in my almost thirty years, knock on wood, two weeks, in my entire almost thirty years, <laughs> I've never, ever, ever felt like I needed even a knife for protection, let alone a handgun. And the argument they make back is like, well, you know, the day it ever comes, you'll be happy you had it. And yeah, I guess, but like, it's just they're. To, to sit here and put your head in the sand and say there's not something weird going on here and there's not a problem that needs to be addressed is, I think, I think it's, it's disingenuous and I think it's ignorant. And I'm not saying take the guns away. I'm not saying gun control is the exact right answer, but I feel like the conversation needs to be had less vitriolically so we can get to the bottom of this. It's kind of a broad question. And I, you know, I, do you think cops should have guns? A hundred, yeah. The cops yeah. need to have guns. I mean, oh. I think if you're if you're a parking cop in you know Cortland, New York, do yeah. you need a gun? Probably not. But realistically, should we just no? Because here's the thing, and I people say you know every cop doesn't need a gun, something like that. Here's my thing: there's enough mm. guns in this country, enough bad guys have guns, enough extremists yeah. have guns, enough people have guns. I would never want a cop to not have a gun because they need it. The cops need a gun more than you can. You can pitch me on a cop needing a gun and sell me quicker than you can pitch me on any hunter, right. any private citizen, any security guard, anything else like that. In the hopefully, we could get to a point where the cops don't need guns. I know if you go to England, you go to London, yeah. other places in England, the cops don't carry guns because they don't need them because their population isn't armed yeah. to the teeth. But here in the world that we live in, because. I mean, to be completely honest... Well, that's like a self-sustaining cycle, though. Like, the, the fact that we exactly. have more violent crime well, exactly. requires the fact right that... Right now, cops yeah. need guns and have guns, because, like, I don't have guns our own guns. I have a lot of friends with guns. Oh, yeah. I have friends who have guns fully legally. I have friends who have guns that aren't so legal. Yeah. And if... You know, <laughs> yes. I mean, really, like, if any... I've, I've uh, known plenty of people that have guns, and if anybody goes to do anything, the cops have to have guns. Because if you took the guns away from the cops, they'd be massacred. And you can't have that. We're we're too far down the rabbit hole, and I don't think we should cross out the Second Amendment. But I think it's important to note people are always like, Second Amendment, Constitution's a perfect document. It's not. No. Here's the thing. The Constitution was written in 1776, give or take, whatever. Mm-hmm. The world and technology have advanced to such an exponential right. degree. I do not think that, you know, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, all these other guys... I don't think when they were writing the Constitution, I mean, think about the guns they had in 1776. Yeah. Single loader muskets took 25 minutes to reload a little ball that didn't fire accurately. 
I firmly believe that if you can put those guys in a time machine, show them the weapons technology we have today, the Second Amendment probably wouldn't have existed the way that it does. Because they never could have guessed that you can have, you know, these, you know, guns that fire all these bullets per second, handguns with yeah. 16 bullets in a clip. They didn't envision that. And to say that it's just, well, this is what our founding fathers thought, that's a disingenuous argument, and you either know it or you're an idiot. What's the actual... It's the, the right to bear arms against, like, oppressive militia. <laughs> no, no, it's, 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 it's the right to bear arms within a well-maintained and regulated militia, and... Whatever, we'll throw that out because I don't want, with the, the way things are with the government, everything that goes on now, I don't want the population to be unarmed. Make no mistake, I do not want the only people in this country to have guns to be the cops and the army because I don't think that's the way either. But we need to inject some common sense into the discussion. And it's really, it's the most hot button issue in the oh, world. Yeah. Like, you'll have people who speak more passively about abortion or civil rights. And you have, I mean, the second you bring up anything about guns, people bristle up. I heard when Obama got elected, you know, in 2008 now, I had certain conservative uh, older friends I have, older members of my family, who were like, Obama's going to come knocking on your door and round up all your guns. I knew it wasn't going to happen then. It hasn't happened yet. It's not going to happen. Mm. But by that same token, I mean, people who care about guns and people who are interested in guns, whether they're responsible gun owners or not, people are very, very committed to owning a firearm. And it is... Whether it was the right thing to do at the time, knowing we have guns right now, or whether it's not, it's the Second Amendment of the Constitution, and that is important. For as much as our government's been dismantling the Constitution ever since 9-11 now, I think it's important that we try as hard as we can to stick to the rules that we've had, but it's just time to have a common-sense discussion. And if somebody brings up an idea that maybe you don't think you agree with, maybe you don't, but don't automatically put your fingers in your ears and say, la, 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 I'm not listening. I feel like I've been talking for a month, so you go ahead. Oh, no, that was, I was going to let you keep going, man. Uh, I was going to ask you, did I ever show you my guns? Is this going to be some weird joke about your arms? Yes. <laughs> it is going to be some weird joke about my arms. I had a feeling of my I was trying to break up. That was a heavy segment, you know. Well, it, um, it was, and it's important. We don't try to get too no. heavy on the show, but this is, I mean, no, it just, if this wasn't a problem every two weeks, we wouldn't have to get this heavy. You know, we watched we watched that episode of Vice on HBO, which if anyone ever gets a chance, I don't know how many people have HBO out there, but. If um, you don't have HBO Go, get slide into the DMs. We'll give yo, you somebody's password. HBO. We don't have our own, but we'll give you somebody else's password. Uh, but we watched that episode of Vice, and they talked a lot about, like, Patriot groups and like self-trained. Oh, these and, lunatic militias! Yeah, yeah. infidel t-shirts. <laughs> my God, those people! Oh my God, yeah, like That's... that. And it just makes me. Like, this is the thing that. Okay, this is the one that gets me, and I'll we'll end it on this one because uh, we've already gone way, way more on this than I expected to. Um, I was in New York City. Surprise, shocking. Oh, uh, Kate Miller told me that there's a drinking game for the Uticast where every time I mention that I lived in New York City, uh, someone takes a drink. So enjoy that one on me, folks. Uh, <laughs> anyhow. So I was in I was in Times Square one day and I and I there was two police officers in Times Square at a hot dog cart eating hot dogs. They were mm-hmm. both at least 270, 280 pounds. And they were dripping mustard on their shirts. And on the side of their hip, they had huge, like, government issued handguns. And I just remember looking at it and just being like, God, man, really? Like, these are the people who have handguns in Times Square right now. Like, this guy I feel like what, also, who can't chase me down so he would have to reach out and shoot me. With something me. like that with New York, like I said earlier about, like, traffic cops, parking cops. In New York, there's so many cops that some of them probably don't need it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, somewhere like here where if the cops are responding to a scene or the cops are on, they need to have it. But I totally understand what you're saying and the point that guns are so ubiquitous that as a non-gun guy, it just makes me wonder what kind of lives these people are leading where they feel like guns are so necessary. Yeah. No. I don't know. And I feel like we might have had other stuff for the second segment we that did. we planned on talking about, but as we got talking, I feel like this is important. We really yeah. take serious yeah. stances, so... We'll move it, we'll move it back. I'll, I'll hit it next Are we going to... Now, here's my question. Since Aaron Higgins is not here this week, does that mean that after this Thomas D interview, we're going to have somebody else in the studio? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Oh. Yeah. Well, anyhow, this is a... Let's. I gotta frame this, and I don't. I don't want to be facetious. Uh, Thomas. Thomas D. Thomas Dilworth, techno bad guy, uh, is a very important guy to me personally because in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, he was. I didn't really know him, but he was the DJ we would go listen to, and yeah. we would follow him around to places because he played music that we were into. And and this was before I knew him. Our lives for a couple yeah, of years. It, and it, it, it sounds kind of trivial in hindsight, but at the time it was super important and. Uh, 
He is one of my numerous arch rivals. Still is. And he, uh, you know, he was nice enough to give us a, an interview before his Soul Saturday at the Dev on October 10th, coming up this Saturday. I'm excited. Always a good time. So, Soul uh, Saturday is always, like, one of the best nights out yeah. in town. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so here's uh, here's my interview with the techno bad guy himself, Thomas D. Be right back. by all your vinyl yes um, this is my inner sanctum <laughs> it's uh it's uh kind of a problem sometimes uh thomas dilworth aka thomas d aka techno bad guy <laughs> <laughs> i'm happy to have you on the show man uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here i'm gonna put you over real quick just for a second because i don't know if i've ever talked to you about this but um you know and i'm not going to get into it age discrepancy you're a little bit older than me mm-hmm. but um when you used to dj back in 2007 and 2008 it was the first time i ever really started seeing you locally me mm-hmm. and a bunch of my buddies uh used to go to space 26 on bank place before it changed owners the old owners and uh you were you were basically the house dj uh, for not the house dj necessarily but you were there a lot you were there we almost we only went there to see you generally right um and i want you to know and i don't mean this i don't mean this sarcastically you were very important to to us musically at the time because we looked at you as like, oh man, this guy is listening to music that we like that we're into. Like we, you, you know, you were playing Chromeo and like Hall and Oates, like all this '90s hip hop, and you know, and it was something that a lot of people, you know, weren't as into back then. I was I was blown away by it. So thanks for all that, man. I, <laughs> no problem. Man. Thanks for coming out. Oh, no doubt. Um, do you feel like you have some sort of impact at all on the way people like you? I mean, do you do you take pride in like the music that you present to people when you play live? Um, I don't know if I take pride, but I do. I do hope that I can play something that they maybe have never heard before, yeah. or if they have heard it, they haven't heard it uh, in in a setting like uh, like being out in Utica, for for instance. But yeah. I, f- I feel it's in, yeah, sure. in, yeah. <laughs> I feel it's like kind of important to like play different music for people, even if like even if like I have the even if I think that it's something that they haven't heard, I might be wrong about that. I might be completely wrong and be playing something that they've been listening to for ages, and I just found out about it. And but like you said, it's something uh, to identify with people. One of the things that's actually striking to me as I sit here with you in your in your home, in your 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 inner sanctum, looking around at the just the stacks of stacks of vinyl you have in here, um, it it's almost the way technology is today. A lot of people have a negative connotation about what being a DJ is, right? Right. Uh, it seems like the joke is always like, just put on your iTunes genius and walk away, right? right? Uh, and and watching you and watching what you've done over the years and how involved you are in doing the show and putting the music together, do you do you like resent that a little bit? How what DJing sort of become in today's like. <sighs> it's a bold question, I know. That is a that is a rough question. Um I think that uh yeah, there's there's a little bit of like wow, like and I don't wanna like single out any type of DJ like oh. style or whatever they do, but like a lot of it I think a lot of there's a lot of history in the in the quote unquote uh art form that a lot of people don't appreciate, understand and I think if you're going into it and you really do get an interest in it and you're good at it and you appreciate like the that the whole lineage of this 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 thing that I love doing, I think I think I think that makes you a better DJ. That being said, I mean you don't have to know all that stuff to be a good DJ. But it is it is kind of important to to know that this like like how this developed. Right. I mean, like, yeah. I mean that that's like that's that's just it's basically the same as like uh, 
like a, a kid who picks up a, a, a guitar or something and starts playing like like rock and roll music, then gets into the blues and all this stuff and where it all came from. So that's that's important. Do you, do you feel a lot of connection to like uh, bands as well, or do you feel like that's a whole different world than what you do? Like, do you think... uh, and I don't mean like you don't appreciate like live music. I'm sure you have bands that you like to watch, but I mean, you know, have you ever played like live music as well in that venue, or you only just DJ? Well, I, I, I started out, like, when I was a kid, I would play, like, well, yeah, I, I still kind of play keyboards and everything, so, yeah. like, there okay. is, like, a, there is, like, a a musical background there, mm. so I think that's important, too. I think uh, being musical with your DJing is, is important, and kind of just understanding how, how music, I mean, at least some basic music theory helps a little bit, you know? Yeah, And that, that, for sure. that helps to make you a better DJ, too. <laughs> uh, one of the things I always laughed about was uh, when I was in college i was already playing in a band like playing at like mcgill's and like valley brook and all the weird local venues and uh i was going to mv and taking classes and i said you know i'm going to take an easy class to get an a i'm going to take music theory i already playing a band i already know how to play music this should be a walk in the park and what i found out is it didn't like my knowledge because i was like self-taught didn't translate over right to, to like actual knowledge it was right. like oh you're just smacking the guitar until it sounds right. Right. Um, but you, you came, you came in, came in the late '90s from Poughkeepsie. You yeah. moved to Utica. Right. Were you DJing in Poughkeepsie then too? No, I was not. I was, I was playing with this thing, this this drum machine and a sampler. Yeah. And I would, uh, I would kind of do a, a like kind of DJ in a sense. I would sample the beat from the drum machine, mm-hmm. and then I would transition to the beat on the drum machine or the sampler. Then, then switch the beat on the on the drum machine to a different beat while the old beat on the sampler was still playing, yeah. and just make like maybe like twenty minute, half hour sets like that. A friend of mine, a friend of mine who is a DJ in from LA, who he doesn't DJ so much anymore. He actually inspired me to start like actually pursuing this because uh, we were at a at a at a convention, a Lebanese convention, Maronite yeah. Lebanese convention in Washington D.C. And uh, there's these outrageous, outrageous parties, but he, he, we got, we got, we got some turntables for him, and uh, I saw him doing it. And it was like, wow, this is like, this is like, I was already familiar with DJing through like, mm-hmm. like techno music, the '90s rave thing, you know, and like DJing was a familiar thing to me, obviously, but then I ne- had, I had never really tried it until I like, I saw him doing it. It was like, I could probably, I could probably do this and be kind of kind of good at it i think so i just bought a couple tech 12s and it makes was that like the moment yeah that was it did you have like the did you have like a you had a feeling like in that moment like this is something i could really like enjoy doing and yeah yeah totally yeah it was like i mean i was already halfway there like i said with that that process of like drum machine versus sampler so then i was just like okay i'm gonna start djing screw it see that's awesome because i always think uh, i think he's um, <laughs> no i think that's interesting because uh, most of the creative people i've ever met in my life whether it's musicians or writers or artisans or whatever you want to call it um there is always like a specific moment where it hits you like maybe that this thing that i like can be more than just a thing that i enjoy on my own merit maybe i can share this with other people and that's important too i think um so let's 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 talk about some of your your work here in Utica. Uh, you have one of my favorite Twitter feeds in all the city. Oh, at really? Techno Bad Guy, if people want to follow you. Okay. Uh, you have a you have a history of being. Uh, I don't know how to, how can I put this delicately. You have a history of being considered moderately cynical as a human being. But yes, I do. But knowing you the way I know you, I don't ever think of you as cynical, and I wonder where this reputation comes from. I think it's just uh Well, I think anybody who, like, um, kind of gets to know me a little bit better and uh, yeah. kind of gets, like, through the, you know, yeah. the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the shell, there's, like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's kind of, like, a, a there's a nice individual in here that, uh, that isn't always as cynical as he may have been. <laughs> as your public, your public persona. <laughs> no, because I, I think that's actually really true, though, because uh, a lot of people, the people who I know, I know you pretty well, and we've had lots of mutual friends over the year, and everyone loves you. The people who are always thinking you as cynical are the people who don't really know you. Right, They're like, right. who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> who's, the, um, who's this jerk, Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, let me, uh, so let me go back to 2007, 2008, 2009. Um, you were you were DJing at Space when they had the old ownership, mm-hmm. and you were doing a lot of really excellent work. And we would come 
God, all, all the time to come see you. We mm-hmm. would come before you even knew who we were. We were just those weird guys who mm-hmm. would hassle you at the DJ thing. Uh, and I, I moved to New York after that. But you guys stopped doing... Uh, you guys stopped playing at Space not too long after that. And you had started doing a little bit of the digital note stuff at like Valley Brook. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was, that was a fun time too. I can't believe the, that, that Valley Brook thing that, that yeah. what was it? I, it, it, I don't remember what we were calling it, the digital notes crew. It was you and Eric Tuttle and, yeah, and Adam and, uh, and, what was uh, his name? Uh, Brandon Fudge. Brandon, yeah. yeah, we did that. And it was amazing because it was a Wednesday night in, in New Hartford at the Valley Brook, and it was packed. Yeah, it was, so it was packed. I was like, "What? Was this so is like strange. so unlike, unlike Utica." <laughs> but it was awesome. It was great. It was fun. Yeah. And we blew up speakers. We blew up each other's speakers. Me and, me and Eric. <laughs> I blew up one of his speakers one night. Then I lent him a speaker, and then he 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 blew up one of my speakers. <laughs> I think I wasn't there for it, but I think it was on fire. That would that would sound about right. Yeah, I, think I, I have to check. It. Smoke was pouring <laughs> out. See, of the it. Valley Brook. The Valley Brook is an odd venue because uh, sometimes I go to the Valley Brook and it's kind of sad because mm-hmm. there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. But when I used to play in a punk band back in the day, if you can get people to come to the Valley Brook and right. fill it, yeah. it's a really interesting no, venue right, 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 right. when it's full of people, man. Well, I'm I'm what they call. Well, I've been referred to as a legacy at the Valley Brook. Oh, right. Yeah, I know. It's it's not like a. I didn't know like you a, and Kenny were so close. Well, no, not right. really. It's it's more of like a. Well, my brothers who lived up here before I moved up here uh, frequented the yeah. Valley Brook back, like, way back in the day when it was still, like, uh, I don't know if a lot of, like, people know that. Well, a lot of people, like, in our, like, generation. Sure. The Valley Brook used to be a huge spot to go, apparently. Everybody was oh, yeah. there. It was, like, a madhouse there, apparently. But, yeah, what my brothers used to go when it was a madhouse, and... Uh, and and I've been referred to as the last, you know, the last, last le- like, heir to that whatever madness. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we used to have a pretty, we used to have a pretty common, uh, a pretty regular gig at the Valley Brook. But really? um, it was after we had changed our band name. We would change from Coercion to the Blueprint. And Kenny, the owner, God love him, he's such an interesting character. Uh, he refused to book us as the Blueprint because there was a jazz band from, like, out of the like, out of central New York called Blueprints who really? used to come once in a blue moon. Uh, okay. So you refuse to put us on the board. Okay. Okay. Uh, but let's uh, let's move on from that. Because I'm curious <laughs> I'm curious at how you got from doing Wednesdays at the Valley Brook to doing Soul Saturdays at the Dev, which you're doing about once a month now. Yeah, right? yeah. That's been a great time. Well Oh yeah. It's been great. When we were doing the when we were doing uh, the digital notes thing at the Valley Brook, I was still DJing at uh, Space Twenty Six. Yeah. You know, up until, man, when did they close? Uh, I was when going did they to change ours? I was going to New York by the time they had changed. That yeah, probably I think after it was, 09. It was like a 10-year run at Space 26 from the original owners until it was sold. Then, um, I don't know, I took like a little bit of a, like a couple months off from DJing mm-hmm. every single weekend, three days a weekend. It can drive you insane. But, but... Then I was bored, so I don't know. <laughs> just like that. Just yeah, like, I was just bored. bored. It was like yeah. I have to DJ more because like I like it so much, you know. So uh, Tim and I talked about doing some type of yeah. little night at the the Dev. Yeah, Tim Tram, good friend of the show. Yeah, yeah, Tim Tram is a great guy. Um, he would give you the shirt off his back if you know. I mean, if I wear those kind of shirts. <laughs> yeah, right. right now, maybe not that shirt with a robot on it. But, uh, no, he's a, he's a great, yeah. I mean, great dude, uh, Tim. So we started doing this night, uh, and it just took off. It was crazy. I mean, like how, how popular it became. I'm still I'm still surprised at how popular it is. I got to tell you, it's, it's weird to, to watch you now. Because I went to Soul Saturday. The last Soul Saturday you did, and I don't remember the date, maybe two weeks ago, uh, yeah. when Tone Split was in town. Right, yeah, yeah. And Tone yeah. was on stage, and... By the way, seeing you two on stage together, you guys have been friends for a long time, yeah, but yeah. seeing you two guys on stage together makes me happier than most anything <laughs> on the planet. I wanted you to know that. Um, but it does, for people who saw you back in the Space 26 days, and to see you now at the Dev, it does sort of feel like, I hate to use the word, but spiritual successor to what you were doing <laughs> at that time. It really does feel like an evolution of what that was. Sure. Well, I haven't I haven't changed much. You know? No, that's so, the thing that I appreciate. <laughs> I haven't changed much. So naturally, all that type. Of, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, the spirit is going to come with me. I mean, yeah, for sure. You know, so 
Yeah, I, I appreciate that. That's that's awesome. Uh, I don't know exactly what it means to you personally. Uh, look, I just appreciate that you put on the show you do and that people get so hyped up for it and you are so professional about it. But you're also so knowledgeable, which is a lot of times I talk to musicians and it's you never know what you're going to get when you talk to musicians. Right. Um, but you have such an air of knowledge and understanding. And I think that's what sometimes makes people think, like, who is this guy? Because you do have... You do really know what you're talking about when it comes to music and and production and DJing, and I think I think that's intimidating to people sometimes. How how comfortable you are? Well, yeah, um, I do know a lot, but I know enough to know that I know very very little. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. I mean, you gotta like, I mean, like all this stuff. You know, all these records. Yeah. You know, and I still know no like nothing. Mm. I mean, and that's 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 the thing. Like, I mean, I know people. I mean, I I I. I I'm friends with a lot of people who are really into music and know so much more than I do. And it's just, you gotta, you gotta like listen to everybody, like mm. what they're listening to, listen to what they talk about with music. If you want to learn more, sometimes, you know, sometimes you don't even have to learn anything. Yeah. You can just like music. Yeah. I mean, like, like this yeah. is they're like, Oh, I know this. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but like, do you even like it? You know? And like, that's a thing. It's like, people are like, Oh, I like everything but this and that. And it's like, well, Maybe you just haven't heard the right thing. I mean, what are you exploring? I mean, you gotta explore music. I mean, that's what this is all about. That's what like getting all these records is about. It's like, oh man, I want to hear like what else is on that record. Exactly. You know, I want to follow this 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 lead. You know, and just you know, that's how you become more knowledgeable. Or I mean, and and I'm sure that you could talk on end about oh, stuff <laughs> that that I'm completely unaware of, right? Well, because your interests are, are different than than mine are. That's one of the of, things we've always appreciated about right, for right. a while. Is that you know, you never bullshit me about my your opinions on stuff about right. music. You'll tell right. me if you think that something I like is nonsense. Right. Um, so October tenth, <laughs> most of the things I like are nonsense. Uh, uh, so October tenth is the next Soul Saturday. Yes. That is yes. this Saturday. That is this coming Saturday. Uh, and then you also have. I'm really excited. Oh wait, yeah, no, it is this Saturday because this is this will right. be, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it will be this Saturday. October tenth. October tenth. And then uh, on October thirty first, you have the Halloween Blood Bash for. <laughs> colon Harvest of Souls yeah, at the dead yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I am very excited for. Yes, that's <laughs> going to be awesome. It's always awesome. There's always, you know, I mean, Halloween is the is the best party kind of night in, of the year. Aside, aside, aside from like Thanksgiving Eve, nah, dude. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's Halloween. Hall Thanksgiving Eve is great, but Halloween people dress up like maniacs. Yeah. Plus, it's on a Saturday, which, you know, yeah, which is no, going to be yeah. really wild. That is a good. That is good. Um, Thomas, we've gone over the allotted time, but before we let you, before I let you go, I want to ask you. This is a bit theoretical, deep question. Oh no, Thomas Dilworth. In your own words, who are you? Stumped him. Look at his face. <laughs> I love that question. Who am I? Who are you, man? In your own words. Oh, I'm just a, I'm just a dude. You know, walking <laughs> around. <laughs> just a dude. I love it. <laughs> not the dude. You know, just a guy. I mean, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, Tom. I, I, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, man. absolutely. Thank you so man. much, brother. October tenth at the Dev Soul Saturday. October thirty first at the Dev Halloween Blood Bash Four. Thomas D, thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. We'll be right back with the rest of the show. Mysterious, uh, but secretly charming and sweet, Thomas Dilworth, a.k.a. the Techno Bad Guy. <laughs> and Thomas D. Uh, you know, he never calls himself Techno Bad Guy. I don't know where that... Too bad. It's a killer name. It's the best Twitter handle. Um, oh, man. So, no Aaron Higgins. Uh, so... You know what the, If you listened last week, you uh, know what that means. The man of a thousand and four hot takes, Mr. Maiden Utica himself. Uh, and you are brimming with self-confidence this week. 
brimming. Yeah, I gotta say, as 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 one of the fellow co-founders of Made in Utica, this is a pretty good week for us. Justin, why don't you tell the people what's up this week? The uh, yeah, um, the city. <laughs> so I'm just glowing. <laughs> I, I, think might, I think that might be your coral long sleeve T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't wear the other hat. You should have seen it. Uh, yeah, uh, Wednesday, October seventh. We are receiving a 7 p.m. 7 p.m. We are receiving a proclamation from the city of Utica um, for maintaining the city's image. Yeah, yeah, maintaining the image. It's you know, it's uh, to, and to be fair, and you know, Justin, you and me, we've had some honest conversations about this, and we've had some joking, breaking balls conversation. But when we started Made in Utica at a at a picnic table in the back of Nail Creek, less than about a year and a half ago. We hope to get a little bit of traction, much like the Uticast. We hope two people would listen. We hope to get some traction. And it kind of validates everything that we've done up to this point to have the Common Council and the city call us and be like, we want to bring you into a Common Council meeting and give you an award publicly for all the good work you've done for the city. And as as much as Made in Utica is a conglomerate effort and it's a team, at the end of the day, you know, for as much as we tease you and we get after you about it, like, you are the guy. We call you Mr. Made in Utica for a reason. How does it feel to you to be recognized by the city that you go so hard for in and out? You do go hard. How does it? How does that feel for you to like get that? Does it, I mean, it's got to feel validating in a lot of ways. The setup is just—it's incredible. <laughs> I literally cannot contain myself. Like, no, honestly, um, it's—we don't do anything for recognition. We try to just keep things fresh and do things differently. So, like. Seriously, like, be, not honest, like, you know, hey, come the on, The crowd man. can't see me come shaking on. my head in the bag. Justin like, wants mu- nothing more than to get less so, press yeah. off his endeavors. Uh, <laughs> That's right. true. Go ahead. No, okay, go, go ahead. All right. Well, the audience <laughs> doesn't know these things. I'm what trying to butter them up. No, but that's, that's why I asked, though, because we do, like, we break balls about it a lot, and you catch a lot of heat from all of us, like, just teasing, but like at the end of the day, like really, I remember the day we started. I remember that you told me about this idea for Made in Utica, and to see it come to the point where the Common Council and the city and everybody are standing up and be like, "This is the thing!" Like that's awesome. Yeah, it's um the recognition from the peers was the big thing, and we got that pretty quick. And there's a lot of great people who support us and do everything, um, you know, in in return for like what we try to kick out to. So like it, it goes two ways, you know what I mean? So like. Sure. Within your peer group and everything, to, to gain that kind of traction is really cool. But to elevate it outside of something that's not within the circle or culturally created is, is just it's a little bit of a different level. So it's nice to be recognized from people who are just a little bit out there, not where we are. You know what I mean? Right, so right. Like it, it helps people who that. are people who mouth off back and forth on Twitter and like hang out right. with us outside and everything like that. Right. Like to see that the city's actually stood up and taken notice. It really makes you realize how much noise that we've made yeah. to the point where, you know, these people who aren't on social media and at the bars and events and parties and all the different things we put on, the things we go to, the things we support, the fact that these people notice shows that something's being done properly. Yeah. Well, Sam and I were talking about it before, um, and I was saying to an extent that if it was easy, everybody would do it. And he was saying if it, was, if it wasn't easy, it wouldn't be worth doing. So... It falls into both of those those type of things. Is that it's a very um, a challenging thing, and it's not that you go into it like a job or a task or whatever. It's just something we generally like doing. So like, there's a lot of stress that goes around with it, and it's just ties into something that you and I talked about off the air last week. Um, This town specifically, uh, they rally behind stuff. But if you want to do something, Rally City, Rally City, it's a name I came. I come up with a lot of good nicknames for you to get. What was the other one? Start Over City, Second Chance City, Second Chance, Second Chance City, yeah, yeah. Uh, Already a name. Whatever. He's taking credit for a thing we came up with. I don't know. Uh, Anyhow, um, but like this, this city will rally behind you. But if you want to make something happen for yourself in the city, you just have to go do it. And Mm -hmm. I can think of. A hundred examples, like, right off the top of my head. We joked around a lot, like, when we were starting Made in Utica, and we said, like, the joke was always, if we build it, they will come off that old, uh, Field of Dreams. And, like, we would, would, uh, thoroughly, thoroughly over Go choke on a hot dog. But anyway, 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 when we started that, if we build it, they will come, but that was our goal when we started, is all we need is there's so many people who are, there's so many brilliant, young, dedicated, motivated, driven people in this city and all they need is a is a flag, a banner to unite underneath, and that's what we try to provide. Provide like we're gonna have one place where you can come out 
and rally under this flag and raise this flag and these are the people and it's true people have been i mean we've been overwhelmed every turn with everything that we've ever done with made in utica by the support and people were just i've had so many people and i know you have too we've had these conversations a million times off the air where people come up and like i've been waiting for somebody to do something like this anything i can do to be involved i'm in mm-hmm. and it's good to see so 7 p.m Yep, at yeah. City Hall. I don't know where the like the docket is though. I don't know what the common council meetings like. If they're we listening, want, like we seven oh one, I want this thing done with. So and if Justin was listening, like, like, yeah. but but I gotta say, in case we are the key. We're to gonna, the city. We're that was pu- my punch. We're gonna be pushing it for the next. <laughs> we're gonna be pushing it for the next day and a half on Twitter. But we we mean this from the bottom of our hearts. Yep. Anybody who cares at all, anybody who's hung out with us at all, anybody who's talked to us, worked with us at all, we want every single one of you to come to City Hall at seven p.m. We want to accept this award from the city with as many people as we can get up there with us. And once we get done and we leave City Hall and we moonwalk out of there with our beautiful <laughs> award for all the work we've done. Grace is we're all wearing. Justin, what's happening after we get this award from the city? Funny you ask. There will be a disco party at Woo! the Dev from <laughs> 8 until 10. Um, drink specials all night. Tim was gracious enough. As soon as we, we created a group and started inviting people, literally Tim hit me up in 15 seconds saying, hey, yeah. Tim, Tim Tram, Tim Tram so. good friend of Utica, has been on the show, and he's been one of the earliest and biggest made Utica supporters yeah. since we started. And we decided because here's the thing: we get this award from the city. It's you know made Utica award, whatever. This award would not exist if it wasn't for all of the people, and that's why we want all of the people to come. And we want to party afterwards to show the importance because yeah. Made in Utica is not about us as a couple people. Well, it's about the, the people. disco being played is all about me. I really want to play a bunch of disco, and uh, I will be taking no requests till 10 p.m. You'll DJ let, you'll no take requests, me, uh, taking no requests. You'll get what you get, and you'll like it. But no. Um, so everybody, come to City Hall at seven. Come to the Dev afterwards. It's going to be eight awesome. To 10 it's going to be a lot of yep. fun. Do we have before we get talking too much and sitting here, you know, patting each other on the back for Made in Utica? Do we have anything else for this last segment, Sam? Uh, Sam's <laughs> dancing. He's anticipating the disco and dancing. Right Party now. in the discotheque. Oh uh, yeah, I'm ready. No, you're not. Look, man, it's great. No, I, I'm very proud of both of you guys. Uh, I, you know, this happened before I showed up, and I saw it sort of happening on Twitter. And I went through all the phases of Utica Twitter acceptance when I was like, I was like, Made in Utica. What? Who's this guy? I don't like this guy. Of course. What's this guy up to? This guy's all right. That's exactly how they <laughs> See, I went the opposite way. I brought Parkinson. I'm like, this guy's all right. Wait, what's this guy up to? Then I ended with, the, I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. No, and I'm very proud of you guys. And I give you this particularly hard time because, uh, you know, you're my natural heel enemy. Yes. But, um, love it that way. but I can't be a baby face without you to be the heel. Yes. So I've learned to appreciate that. Yeah. And I'm very proud of both of you. And I'm sorry that I started that anti-made Utica topics post. I'll take it down. Um, wow, my Sam, bad. I gotta tell that you, was Sam, Sam, you got a lot of nerve getting on the internet chastising people for skinny jeans. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> it's true. It's true. My jeans are tight. So tight. All right, uh, let's move on. Uh, I think it's time for some over unders. You guys ready? Over under. And the first over under ties into my horrible sports weekend. Uh, Liverpool FC fired their manager. Now, granted, I kind of wanted them to get fired. For all you people who don't know what he's talking about because you watch real sports, that's a soccer yep. thing. Everton, 1-1 yeah, one, one draw. 1-1 one, one draw. Time. The Yankees are stumbling their way. I can't believe CC going to rehab is nuts. CC going to rehab. I did not see that coming. What a You could have asked me to name a hundred Yankee stories that could have come out today that would not have made the hundred. Out of nowhere, that CC has it out. The Viper. Problem. <laughs> the Viper, it's, man. Yeah, who knows, man. Um, so that ties I in. wish him the best, though. Like I, As much as I would like him to be pitching right now, if he feels like he needs help, like the man's got kids, he's got yeah. a family, his life, it's bigger than baseball. Baseball's just a game. CC, get yeah. your help. Go to rehab. Come out a better man. Come on the Uticast and tell us about it. <laughs> you made the point, though. Um, you know, it's like for him to come out now, it For must him have to, been, yeah, it, it, something has to happen. It must have either been really, really um, bad or something bad must have happened to so, come out the day before the playoffs. So over under athletes as role models. Um, it's tough, right? I'll tell you because be, I will say underrated, and I will tell you why. Athletes as a whole is a very diverse group. There's a lot of people, but because the the common narrative in society is athletes yeah. shouldn't be role models. I would say it's underrated because for as many guys as there are as, you know, Sabathia boozing his way through life, or all these other athletes, you know, these NFL players who are killing people, beating people, raping people left and right, as much as those people should never be followed, 
there are a lot of and it's unfortunate they don't get the the press that the bad people get but there's a lot of great people in sports there's a lot of inspiring stories in sports those guys are underrated as role models but as just being the most famous guy probably a little overrated i just feel like it's dangerous to have sports uh or celebrities or athletes as role models because it sets your expectations for what is successful in life so high that like you know you don't like, it's not achievable it's unachievable yeah, yeah, yeah. right like yeah. like if your role model is Brad Pitt and all you want to do for the rest of your life is act, you're probably going to be disappointed. That yeah, guy's like a one in a billion story. You <laughs> yeah. mean like, yeah. I, I don't know, that's all I'm saying. Pardon, yeah. you got to take um, on this? My, my dad's generation, I think, he was a big Roberto Clemente fan. He's like one oh, of the yeah. greatest humanitarians of all time. So like yeah. big Pirates fan and everything. I think because of way uh, sports and it's covered now and blogs and clickbait and all these things, right now, way overrated because yeah. you're asked. You can find dirt gets you clicks, the good stuff doesn't. Back in those days... You had some good, honest guys. You know what I mean? They weren't making fifteen million a year. They're making forty grand, and they were taking buses, not planes. When know? they do the apology story, it's always on like the fifth page. It's never <laughs> yeah, on page. yeah, yeah. All right, so let's move on. Uh, overrated, underrated, wearing a wristwatch. Man, uh, overrated. Oh, I uh, tell me why, so I can tell that you're wrong. Yeah. Here. I gotta say my wrist, my right arm is for buckets, the left wrist for my for, for my bracelet. All your creepy festival wrist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do have lots Here's of why: wearing wearing a wristwatch is underrated in today's society, just because the ubiquity of smartphones has made most people forget about wearing a watch. And like, as a guy, and you know, of course, sure, as a guy, you can wear whatever you want. No judge, you because we're all equal, and whatever. But realistically, as a guy, you don't have many opportunities to thoroughly accessorize. You're not really wearing jewelry, nothing like that. So like, a nice watch can pull an outfit together it can make a whole thing look it's a certain look and i think a wristwatch can be a good look so it's underrated although do i need it to tell the time never no. it constrains your time and that's a big issue for me mm. following time oh. overrated uh, wearing a watch overrated underrated time so watch falls into the time category they're both overrated i got my watch out right now i wear my watch <laughs> most of the time when i'm not at work problem is i can't wear it to work because i type all day so having a watch on at work is unreasonable sure. because I'm typing. That being said, I like wearing a watch. I think it adds a certain sort of uh, old romantic charm. Like you're an old timer. Like you got a watch, right? Like how's that working out for you? Being charming? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, no one's one did dinner. With me. No, 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 no one did it. I can't get one dinner with my watch. You take my watch off. All right, let's move on. Um, uh, home box office, HBO. It used to be the hottest. Station around, you could watch Sopranos, you could watch Entourage, you could watch The Wire. Is Entourage really your number two ahead of The Wire and Sex in the City? I'm naming the most popular shows. No curb, I'm saying those are some of the biggest shows. Overrated, underrated, same film. I because I feel like they've fallen off, man. Like, I don't trust a lot of shows that come out on HBO anymore all of a sudden. I, I don't even feel like I noticed their shows. The problem is we, we live in a golden age of television, yeah, where there's incredible shows coming out on like five or six different networks. HBO, when they first came out, when they had Sopranos, they had The Wire, they had some other stuff, they were the only people in the game doing what they yeah. did. Now, FX, AMC, other channels are making shows that are as good, if not better. And not even yeah. that, it's the contingent of, it's cable, cable in general. Cable yeah. television is that you can now have a 10 p.m. show like but, The Shield or yeah, Sons right. of Anarchy. That was destined for mm-hmm. Showtime, HBO, I, not yeah, anymore. You but can you know put what, though, I will anything say on television these days. HBO may be overrated, but HBO Go underrated. is incredible. It's the best, HBO goes yeah. underrated because I've only watched about a season's worth of Sopranos. I've never watched The Wire. Knowing I have that stuff backlogged and I can't get it on Netflix or Hulu makes it underrated to me. One of these days we'll go back and do Sopranos again. I've seen it about was six Oz, times. Was Oz HBO? Yeah. You guys don't know no, that was... I still like show. I still like HBO, but I, it makes me sad that there's no go-to mm-hmm. HBO show now that I feel well, like Ballers I Ballers isn't working for you? We only got like four episodes in and then just sort of tapered off, man. Yeah. Like I didn't have a problem with it. I just was sort of like, meh. I think Sam tapered off because SummerSlam was coming. All right, so last over-under for the day before we go. This is a good one. Hits close to home. Overrated, underrated. The new Hartford cow. Oh, so, so desperately underrated. I agree. Yes. You know, you're talking <laughs> to the wrong two people here. Listen, you're talking to the wrong two people here. With three, 
<laughs> I am a team cow forever. And I see people on social media, like all sorts of, you know, miscellaneous, low effort people that I don't, you know, I shouldn't care about, but I do. And I see these people posting, and you'll notice you see them on the sewer that is Facebook and not like Instagram and Twitter. Oh not to say that we're so enlightened on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> Facebook is a sewer. Um, they probably cross post to MySpace. But I see people on there all the time, and they're like, enough is enough. We got to catch this cow. He's a danger to the public. Cows don't run that fast. Here's my take. If you want to avoid the danger of the cow in the road, very, very simple. If you see a cow, don't hit it. That's all it is. You know, like, not for nothing. If, I don't think I think if you can't catch a cow, that cow deserves to be free. If that cow is a for this long, it's it's wild. And, I agree. and from the progress that it's made from like what eight forty to like dipping into the Washington Mills, get down to the parkway, let that thing go. The, I, I want to see the, it in Pittsburgh. I was in like at the barber shop this past Saturday, and the cow that was the day the cow made it to the parkway. The barber shop's a buzz with all these people talking about the cow, and I'm watching the videos, and I just. I can't help but die laughing. It's just incredible watching him sprinting down the medium on the parkway. It's like he knows what he's doing. He's he's something else. We I'm love this cow. The cow, by the way, uh, the cow is welcome on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Anytime. Anytime. Please don't touch uh, him. If it feels you see like it's him, getting late, run. and I think we're not going to have enough time for the mailbag. Although we had a lot of mailbag participation this week, and we yeah, appreciate we'll, it. Yeah, we'll get we'll collect up some mailbag stuff and do a bigger section. We'll do like weeks. a full yeah. mailbag segment yeah. coming up. I think Parkinson two in a row. Don't get used to it. I'm not. Right. <laughs> I don't want to. And congratulations. October 7th, 7 p.m. City Hall comes Disco at the Dev. Thanks a lot, folks. It's been real. It's been fun. Do you end up with, is this a new thing? It's fun. You don't even listen. It's every episode. I was here last week. I just tuned it out. Of course you tuned it out. It's probably what it is for you, Scott.